For 11 days, rockets rained down on Gaza in the latest escalation of a conflict that has been going on for nearly three quarters of a century. More than 250 people were killed in the violence as homes were destroyed and livelihoods shattered. But the battle wasn't only taking place over Gaza and Israel. Online, a separate but connected fight was taking place for the freedom of expression. Palestinians turned to social media in the hopes of bringing attention to the mounting death toll in Gaza. While in East Jerusalem, families facing eviction from their homes to make way for Israeli settlers in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood used social media to try and tell their stories. Others tried to post videos from Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, and around the world, supporters shared messages of solidarity. But posts were disappearing, often without explanation. Accounts were suspended, hashtags were blocked. Palestinians already living within the walled confines of Gaza and the West Bank said that they found a wall of restrictions put up by social media platforms that they thought would empower them. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm James Haynes-Young. And this week, we're asking, are social media companies censoring pro-Palestinian posts? We'll hear from the Nationals Leila Mashkor, who's been reporting on this issue throughout the recent conflict, as well as digital researchers and activists who say that they have logged hundreds of examples of digital rights offences by some of the largest tech companies in the world. We'll also look at what these tech companies themselves have said about the issue. But first, if you want to get all the latest from Beyond the Headlines, hit subscribe in your podcast app. On May 7th, the Israeli security forces stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. It was, they said, a response to stone-throwing protesters ahead of marches by ultra-nationalist Jewish groups through the Old City. As the raid unfolded, with tear gas and stun grenades in Islam's third holiest site, people on the scene tried to broadcast footage across social media, using the hashtag Al-Aqsa. But they quickly encountered a major problem. The National's breaking news reporter, Leila Mashkur, is here to explain. So people on the ground were documenting the raid on the mosque, and they were posting the videos to social media using the Arabic hashtag Al-Aqsa. But Instagram had blocked this hashtag, essentially putting up a wall and stopping other social media users from seeing these videos. Facebook, which owns Instagram, first confirmed the hashtag blocking to me, and they said it was a mistake, a technical error. So Facebook's apology came a day after Instagram had also apologized for an error with their stories feature. They were deleting live and archive stories. Twitter also told me that accounts posting about Palestine were being caught in their spam filter and suspended. They also apologized. They all said it was technical errors. So later on, internal documents were obtained by BuzzFeed News, and they showed that Instagram had blocked the hashtag for Al-Aqsa Mosque because an automated system flagged the mosque as having the same name as an extremist group. There are plenty of groups that use Al-Aqsa in their name, seeing as it's the third holiest place in Islam. This would essentially be like blocking all references to the word student in Arabic because the Taliban in Afghanistan translates to the students. So a lot of people are very skeptical of these apologies. U.S. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib wrote a public letter on Tuesday to the parent companies of these social media platforms. She wrote, 
It is not enough to continue to blame technical errors and automated systems and algorithms. I know that these processes and systems have humans who create and maintain them. Thus, biases are automated as well. I spoke to a researcher at the Oxford Internet Institute, Mona Elswa, and she also believes these technical errors reveal a deeper and more systemic issue with how these platforms address Arabic content. I hate their like apology kind of like this is a glitch or this is an error because I highly doubt that, you know, something like Facebook or uh, these big organizations cannot just, you know, fix errors and don't have the capacity to um, work with Arabic language because there, this has always, and this has always been their excuse that they don't have the capacity for Arabic language. But this is like, doesn't make sense because, you know, Arabic is the most, the fourth most common language on the internet. And if they don't have the capacity to work with this language, this is like, you know, this raises a lot of questions. The Arab Center for the Advancement of Social Media, known as Hamla, says that technical errors are not a sufficient explanation for the rate that posts are being removed. They said that the amount of recorded takedowns amounts to censorship. Mona Steyer from Hamla tells us more. We have documented around 500 cases of digital rights violations uh, in this period. Uh, basically, half of them, or 50% of them, were on Instagram, while 35% of them were on Facebook, and 11% of them were on Twitter, and 1% of them was on TikTok. These cases were documenting several types of, of violations. Uh, we can we can mention like content takedown, closing accounts, hiding hashtags, as well as reducing the reachability of specific content and uh, like deleting archived content and archived stories and restricting the access and removing accounts. So there was like several kinds of or types of uh, the content censorship uh, violations. We have other kinds of violations on other platforms. For example, we have incitement against Palestinians and Arabs on social media platforms. And here we can focus on WhatsApp and Telegram. And we, we know that these groups were mobilizing and organizing themselves using these uh, these uh, applications to organize their, their violence against Arabs and Palestinians on the streets in many cities like Haifa, Aqqa, Yafa, and the Led. Your account has been disabled. You can't post or comment for 30 days. In her reporting, Layla spoke to numerous people who said that these errors amounted to censorship and that they felt social media companies were taking selective action. Social media companies have been accused of uneven enforcement of their policies in the Middle East. They are quick to remove some content about Palestine, but they're slow to act when it comes to things like disinformation, hate speech, or incitement of violence against Arabs. So part of the problem comes from the fact that social media companies rely heavily on artificial intelligence and machine learning to scan for certain words or phrases that have been flagged as impermissible. But these AI programs, they often struggle to digest the Arabic language or to understand delicate contexts. I spoke to Marwa Fatafta. She's the Middle East and North Africa manager at digital activist group Access Now. And she gave me another example of how platforms struggle with Arabic content moderation. Uh, Facebook treats the word shaheed as a glorification for terrorism and praise and support for terrorist organizations and individuals. And as you know, 
the shaheed is a is a common word used not only by Palestinians but by many users in the Arab world and in the Muslim world to uh, describe the loss of you know people who have died in unnatural unnatural death. It's part of the Palestinian lexicon, mm-hmm. uh, both political and social. Anyone who has died or killed by um, by Israeli forces is called Shaheed. So, how did Facebook interpret Shaheed as a as a vile word? You know, as a word that is glorifying terrorism. But and then because of this policy, obviously, a lot of content is taken down. There are numerous examples of this conflation of two meanings of words. Social media users have pointed out that results on Google can also be very problematic. They highlighted that if you search Google for what does a terrorist wear on their head, the top result is a kafaya. That is a checkered headscarf, a black and white version is commonly worn in Palestine, and a red and white version is more commonly worn across the region. Here's Mara again. So they are moderating content they don't understand and they're not willing to understand. And then when they use automated decision-making tools that are absolutely blind to context and norms, the result is mass censorship and system. You know, moderating. So they're trying to moderate extremely complex uh, terms that require deep understanding of no one and if you use algorithms to implement those policies it's it's a disaster in the making but algorithms are not the only reason content may be being removed or hidden the israeli government has a team working inside the state attorney's office that monitors the web and systematically flags content to tech companies that they think should be removed The Israeli cyber unit says that it was formed to address the needs recognised by the state attorney to coordinate efforts in dealing with crimes and terrorism in cyberspace. It deals with all kinds of crimes, from fraud to hacking, but also the expression of offences. Anything from incitement of racism and violence to cyberbullying and online shaming. Leila has been looking at what the Israeli cyber unit does. Social media companies have a history of removing specific content at the request of governments. So Israel has formed this cyber unit. It's composed of 25 employees and they actively monitor the web and send requests to social media companies to remove content that they deem a cybercrime. When the unit was first established in 2016, it sent just over 2,000 takedown requests to social media companies. But in 2019, it sent almost 20,000 requests. And it's important to note that each single request can include tens or hundreds of posts. Hamla said in a report published in May that Facebook accepted 81% of requests made by Israel's cyber unit to remove Palestinian content in 2020. Mona Steyer from Hamla tells us more. We Palestinians feel like we are being silenced online by a systematic effort that the Israeli government is using. They are using several tools and tactics to silence Palestinians online. These requests that are made by Israel's cyber unit are voluntary requests to remove content. They're not an official order. That means they can bypass Facebook's official reporting on government transparency. 
Facebook releases reports every so often revealing how and when they cooperated with governments, but the activity of Israel's cyber unit is not included in these reports because they're voluntary. Hamlet suspects that some of the content takedowns that they witnessed during the latest Gaza conflict were the result of requests made by the cyber unit. But Israel doesn't disclose what content it includes in its removal requests, and Facebook doesn't include this in their government transparency reports. So we can't be certain. So this is a huge oppression that we Palestinians are suffering in the digital age. And honestly, and to be frank with you, this affects the human rights violations. For example, if anyone wants to investigate about this human rights violations that we are exposed to, these uh, materials which was taken down from the social media companies, we can't find anyway, or this, this, um, these uh, parties, they can't find it anyway. So how exactly do the likes of Facebook and others decide what you can and cannot post on your account? Here's Layla again. The core of the issue here is that social media platforms are more than just spaces to communicate or share photos. They can decide the entire narrative of how the public views a particular issue. They're not just tech platforms, but they're also media publishers. And in trying to regulate what kind of content is allowed on their website, they come up against many, many challenges. So Facebook has this dangerous individuals and organizations policy that they say is used to prevent and disrupt real-world harm. It covers things like terrorist activity and organized hate. But the decision to ban the Al-Aqsa hashtag, it was a result of misinterpreting this policy. And again, Facebook deemed this an error. Platforms have to decide what is allowed to stay and what gets taken down. And for these decisions, they turn to artificial intelligence and machine learning. It makes instant decisions about what is allowable on the platforms. But as we've witnessed in these past few weeks, these automated systems struggle with Arabic and they can frequently make mistakes. In the midst of accusations that social media platforms were censoring content and while this war was happening, Israeli and Palestinian officials held meetings with the platforms to discuss the situation that was unfolding online and how it was affecting things in the real world. Facebook and TikTok met with Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz And a week later, they also met with Palestinian officials, including Palestinian Prime Minister Mohammed Shatea, and reportedly they apologized for the issues their algorithm was causing. Here is Marwa Salam, a 23-year-old living in Gaza camp in Jordan. She had her posts taken down and tells us about her experience. It is heartbreaking to see what's happening to the civilians in Gaza, and there is nothing we can do to help them. I tried to share images and videos on Facebook of what the Gazans are facing there. Despite the siege from all sides, the extreme poverty, the hunger and the thirst they suffer from, and the complete restrictions on their freedom, they are getting pumped. Children are murdered and orphaned. What's happening there is a huge violation for human rights. And in a recent world that's full of human rights organizations and activists, it was sad not to see any change in the situation in Gaza. Facebook has deleted my posts and prevented me from posting and commenting. Their excuse was that my posts didn't follow their community standards. This community is willing to raise their sons and daughters. That's what's happening to the Palestinians is okay and accepted. People in Gaza never want violence. They just want to live like the rest of the world. They have passion for life. They have dreams and fears. They want to see their loved ones safe. They want to live in peace but with dignity and respect to their lives and rights, just like everyone who hears this wants to live. 
lift the comprehensive siege. Let them have airport companies and parks for their children. Let us live like the rest of the world. That's all we want. Palestinian activists are fighting back against the platforms. They've found ways to hide their posts from these AI algorithms that have been flagging and removing content. Leila spoke to some of these activists about how they're keeping their Palestinian content online. Almost all languages can be manipulated in some way, such as using slang to confuse an untrained ear or a poorly trained algorithm. That was the idea behind Tajaus. A group of five tech-savvy friends created this website that encodes Arabic characters into new, unrecognizable words. I spoke to one of them, and they explained this complicated process to me. It basically involves encoding text using unicodes to bypass algorithms. Or in layman's terms, it's like taking Arabic and turning it into written drawings. It makes a post readable to the human eye, but algorithms are not able to read these characters. Others online have also started posting using an ancient Arabic writing style, dotless Arabic. They basically remove the dots that sit atop some Arabic letters in the hopes of fooling algorithms. But when I spoke to Mona Elswa from the Oxford Internet Institute, she said it's not a long-term solution. It's just a short-term bypass. For internet users, like it's, um, I don't think it will like last forever. Uh, I think it's like a part of the Palestinian versus Israeli situation now. It's not a sustainable language to be used. It's a language of revolt against platform algorithms. It's a language of rebellion. Um, and if you're using it, it means that you hate the algorithms and you want to use it uh, just to show them that you can actually tweak it and overcome their repression. But the sustainable use of it forever, like for the daily use, I don't think it's going to happen. It's difficult to read for some people um, and people will abandon it at some point. A ceasefire may have been reached in Gaza, but so many of the core issues in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict remain. And in a heavily charged online space, content, including a lot of seemingly pro-Palestinian content, is being removed en masse. But social media companies are doing little to explain what, why, and when. While some people have found clever ways to skirt the apparently error-prone AI, there's little conversation about how the US-based social media companies treat either the Arabic language or the Palestinian cause. But those companies, who Palestinians rely on to spread their content, hold almost all the power in deciding who sees it. Thanks this week to The National's Leila Mashkour and our other guests, Mawa Fatafta, Mona Shdaya and Mona Elzwa. This was Beyond the Headlines. I'm James Haynes-Young. If you want to hear all the latest episodes as soon as they air, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you can leave us a review while you're there, it makes all the difference. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan, Arthur Edison, Leila Mashkour and Leila Garagoslu.